Welcome to the Simple Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Max Lieberman, and this week, I got the chance to sit down with Laura Vogel, founder of Vogel, an Italian handbag company. Laura's used her past experiences as a model and at Nordstrom to start her own business. We discussed those lessons learned, what it takes to build an authentic brand, deal with judgment, and she even tells us how she got her products featured on the social media of Bachelor Contestants. It's all coming up next. Stay tuned. Today's beat was provided by Detour, a.k.a. Deshaun Traxon. You can find him on all social platforms, including Spotify, at prod.detour. Laura, thank you so much for, for joining me today on the Simple Stories podcast. Um, super excited to get to talking to you today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. So you've done something really incredible in this past year and a half. Um, studying ab- studying abroad in Italy and, and starting your own handbag company, Vogel. Mm-hmm. So for those listeners who, who don't know Vogel just yet, give us a little bit of context as to what you're doing and how you got started. Um, so in 2019, I studied abroad in Milan, Italy. It's one of my favorite places. And I had no intention of starting a handbag brand, but... I have always wanted to have my own fashion brand. I grew up modeling and then I worked at Nordstrom for a while. So I've always been very into the fashion industry and I studied business at CU for that reason to go into the business side of fashion. Um, But when I was in Milan, I was living in an Airbnb and in the plaza of the um, apartment building, there was a motorcycle repair shop slash like bar hangout place. And I slowly became friends with the guys that were working there and they were making these really incredible motorcycle jackets with the scraps from the leather remaining from like repairing the motorcycle seats. And so, and I'd already kind of fallen in love with the handbag scene as I was just traveling through Italy. Um, And so I kind of just started picking their brain about it and asked them where they were getting their leather from. And then they took me to a few of their suppliers and I kept in contact with those guys. So I was just networking in Italy to see if I can make anything happen. And long story short, I met an amazing manufacturer like three days before I came back to Colorado. And he was willing to take me on as a client. So I just started designing shoulder bags and sent a few sketches over to Milan and he prototyped for me. And now I'm running it out of Denver at my house and just growing it on social media and stuff. But they can be seen on like contestants from The Bachelor, models in New York, influencers um, in Australia and Portugal. So it's been growing really fast, but it's been great. Yeah. That's awesome. And what I love most about that story and and how you started was, um, and and you posted a video about it on YouTube. And so that was kind of what I was using as my research. Um, And what I love most about that story is that you didn't give up. You would go to a supplier and they say, I don't have, you know, a handbag, uh, you know, contact, but you kept going to every meeting just to see what would happen. Not necessarily looking, um, for, for that person to be, to be transactional. 
um, but just like moving forward. And, you know, it's really serendipitous how three days before you were coming back to the U.S., you met the handbag manufacturer. And then tell me about how you actually were able to create the design for your handbag and how you got that process um, squared so away. It's interesting because I have literally no design experience, but I think through modeling a lot and being on set with a bunch of designers and creative people and all of that, I just have had a lot of exposure to different designs and colorways and how stories are told through fashion. And so when I was in Milan, I noticed that pretty much everyone was wearing shoulder bags and nobody in the United States was. And I mean, I've spent a lot of time in Europe and I always noticed that they have the good designs before we have them about two years before. So, um, I loved the design because it was so secure to your body, like on the Metro and stuff, whereas a big crossbody or a tote, you always have to like hold it close to you because there's a lot of pickpocketing. Um, and I don't carry a lot of stuff. So I liked how minimal it was. Whereas like in America, we're just digging through your purse. <laughs> minutes, um, which my mom does a lot. And now she stopped because she has a Vogel. But um, so I fell in love with that style bag and I bought a few at Zara, but there was really only like $15 ones at Zara or like $2,500 ones at Prada at the time. And um, so I kind of was like, they're either gonna make their way to the US and blow up or it's gonna be a total wash. Um, but then when I came back to the US, I mean, when I was in Milan, going back, um, I could have bought any of my manufacturers designs at wholesale and just slapped my logo on it. Um, but I did not want to do that. I wanted it to be like very my brand. I wanted to design it. I didn't want it, like I wanted it to be authentic. Um, so then when I came back to Colorado, I bought just like cheap shoulder bags on Amazon and ASOS and stuff and was seeing what I liked. I was wearing them all summer. I was cutting them apart to see like how they're made. Um, and then I would make Pinterest boards and save things on Tumblr and screenshot stuff. And it wasn't just bags, it was like, colors and outfits and locations that inspired me. It was like a whole mood board. Um, and then I finally like sketched a bag and sent it to like mailed it at UPS in a little envelope to Milan and was like, hopefully this translates. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and then he messaged me on WhatsApp and was like, yep, I'm going to get started. And that's how it happened. So had you had any, I mean, aside from the modeling career, had you had any experience owning your own brand or, or, career of design or anything like that? Or was it totally, you know, kind of learning as I go? It was completely learning as I go. I mean, Nordstrom was really helpful with this, like just seeing how all the other brands like operate and can cater to certain consumers. And some people like are so loyal to a brand or they return it. And it was just interesting to see like how other brands own their identity and their messaging. So that was really helpful, but no, I have no experience doing it on my own. Okay. And one of the interesting things that you mentioned was working at Nordstrom. That's actually was my first job too, working at okay. Nordstrom. So I understand how important that company is like as a, as a way to, to meet customers, but yeah. talk to me a little bit about your experience there, how that actually helped shape some of the, you know, you mentioned like working with customers um, today at Vogel. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, I was always very shy and like reserved, I think. And then there, I mean, you're 
greeting people all day long. So that really pushed me out of my comfort zone, I think, was just like talking to people. Um, and it gave me a lot of confidence because I was working with women that were like 50 or 60 and were very intimidating. And then they like loved my service and thought I did an excellent job. So um, that really helps me with my confidence. I think just like talking to anyone of any age and helping men shop for their wives or any, like I just, I've never done anything like that. Um, so that was like a huge growth period for me. And then customer service. I mean, there's of course like the most horrible scenarios that happen that you just deal with. Um, so it taught me a lot of just like resilience and doing anything for the customer. I mean, I'd go in on my off days and fix problems. I mean, not that there were a lot of problems, but I would go in and fix the problems that there were um, because it's my responsibility. Like they spent their money with me. So it taught me just to take responsibility of every sale instead of just being like a clerk and checking people out. Like that whole experience was my responsibility. And then after as well, like making sure they liked it and making sure everything's still going well, even if it's a few weeks later. So, and that's one of the comments I think my customers make the most to me is like, like the the bags are handmade so sometimes there will be something that's a little wrong with one of the bags I mean it's minor but they spent $300 on it so um and I always answer immediately like send them a refund or exchange or if I have international customers and something goes wrong with customs like I'm on the phone with FedEx within five minutes so that's something that I've taken a lot of responsibility for and people really appreciate that and um, my returning customer rate is really high because of that, I think. Um, so I think it just like bleeds into everything I'm doing with my business at this point. That's great. Yeah, that's great. I, I love that um, because, you know, to, to talk about work experience too. beyond that, you're also modeling for Vogel. So the way I the way I kind of see it is like all your experiences are kind of blending together to make you like in, in a sense, the one-stop shop, the jack of all trades for Vogel. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, you know, when you started it, was that the idea that like, oh, you know, I worked at Nordstrom, so that's gonna, you know, intertwine. I had a model, so I, I was a model, so I can, you know, model for my own product. Or did that kind of just happen? It kind of just happened. I mean, honestly, I launched this business in February of 2020. So right before COVID, Um, and I thought like, I was fully going to get a full-time job. Like I was applying for jobs. I was interviewing with other companies and I was like, I'll just do this on the side. It's great experience. Um, so I didn't have, I mean, obviously I was like, maybe it'll blow up and maybe it'll be my (laughs) job, but it was not realistic for me to think like, I'm going to graduate high school and make this my full-time job. Um, so I was, I wasn't even thinking about like modeling or Nordstrom or anything. I was just like taking this risk to see if it would be good experience. I don't know. I was, I think I was just like, I'm always somebody that doesn't get my hopes up too high. So I think I was just like being very humble about it. And I don't know, I wasn't really thinking about it that way, but when COVID happened, um, I mean, everyone went on a hiring freeze as we all know. So, um, I just took it as a moment of like, maybe this is a sign, maybe I should just like stop applying to jobs and work on this full time and give it at the time, like six months and see what happens. Um, And then that's when I started scheduling photo shoots with photographers and like putting money and ad spend on Instagram and Google and Facebook analytics. I mean, at first I was just 
I don't know I didn't have like the most constructed plan but that's story of my life like I just kind of wing a lot of things um but as it started happening and as I started making it full time like everything did kind of come into play with modeling in Nordstrom and my different experiences and stuff so I think it just happened over time yeah I think that's great not not forcing anything and kind of just allowing it to to fall into place um and and one of the things that like really spoke to me in your video was when you you know you traveled to Italy to pick up that first shipment of bags mm -hmm. and then you were in like the showroom and you saw all the bags there and you had this little moment of panic. Talk to me about what happened there. I was just like so nervous, but I, I mean, the last time I was in Italy was when I met him. So then I had, all I had at the time that I went back to Italy was two prototypes. Um, so I, he was sending me photos of like the white and the camel and the black and, but I hadn't even seen any photos of them all there. I mean, I ordered 80. So but I, I mean, I just hadn't seen it all and what it still wasn't feeling super real to me. And so I booked a flight to Italy. Um, my dad came with me and the manu my manufacturer picked us up from our hotel and drove us to his showroom. And I think my dad was like, still not understanding the scope of what was going on. Um, and then we got there and they had drinks for us and like took us downstairs and I'm like nudging my dad like see um, and then we went down there and they were all sitting on this couch like laid out and we had two I think we had two full size like checked bags that were empty and then like a Vera Bradley duffel bag and then we went down there and my manufacturer was laughing at us he's like you're not gonna get all this in those bags and we were like, yeah, we will. It'll be fine. And then we saw it and I was like, okay, we're not going to get on the suitcases. Um, and my dad and I were just like, what are we going to do? And I was standing there like, this is so much. Like, what am I doing? I think it was just the moment of like, it's actually happening. So, and it's all on me. Like nobody helped me. Nobody helped me pay for it. Nobody's helping me sell it. Nobody's helping me with social media. So I just stood there and I was like, okay, this is my responsibility this is what I have to do I have to sell all of these um and I, I just became I was like so scared but also really motivated I think there's been a lot of times in my life when I've taken humongous risks and it's been super scary but it's always paid off so this wasn't the first time I've done something crazy like that so I think I was a little less scared like I'm always very optimistic because I know that it'll pay off especially because I believe in myself and my work ethic and stuff. Um, so it was just overwhelming seeing them all, but now my orders are double that. So it's been great. That's great. Yeah. Did you have, did you have like feelings of imposter syndrome or was it more just like overwhelming? I think it's both. Like I'm definitely my manufacturer's smallest client, but, and when we were standing down there, I was like, why did you like take me on? And he was like, I just saw something in you. I see myself in you. And it was so nice. So it's definitely imposter syndrome like every day. Cause I'm like, I didn't go to design school. I, you know, so it's just things like that where I'm, this is like the first post-college thing I've ever done. And that's not what most people do. So it's definitely like, it feels that way a lot. And then, but in the moment, I think it was just overwhelming. Um, 
because my manufacturer and his team believes in me so much. So it's not like they are very empowering and helpful and they love me and I love them. So it wasn't imposter syndrome there, but now every day working, it sometimes feels like that. That's interesting. Yeah. How how have you been, you know, managing your own mental health? Because it seems like you're still doing this like as a one one person operation. So there, it feels like there's probably a lot to do. Yeah, no, there's a lot to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I This is all I do like every day. I, I left Nordstrom in July because I was like, this is, I mean, Nordstrom, we got, um, I don't know, furloughed, I guess, when COVID happened. Um, but then I went back in July and I had grown Vogel a lot in that time period. So it was kind of different going back and then realizing I'm putting Vogel on the back burner for Nordstrom and like, it just, it didn't feel right. So I left there um, and I really just put all my time into this and I've grown it a lot. I feel like, I mean, there's a lot to do and it's isolating. I mean, definitely. I think Denver, it's hard to start a fashion company or brand here because it's not always the scene in Denver. I don't I feel like we have a lot of creatives here and it's definitely becoming more prominent and more desired, but it's not like super saturated and the people that really appreciate it. I'm like, there's just not a lot here, but there is a really great community that I'm involved in. Um, and then with COVID and retail, there's not really many trunk show opportunities. I mean, I've done some in Chicago and then A-Line in Denver. So it's, and that's what I love is like selling to people and meeting my customers and making that connection. And so that's been really hard, obviously. Um, and like I said, it's isolating because none of my friends are doing anything like this. So there's not a lot of people that can relate to me on like what I'm doing or um, things like that. And I mean, my family is so supportive, but they don't totally get it either. So it's like isolating a little bit. Um, but at the same time, like I've met so many customers during this time period, like through email, they'll reach out and be like, I just wanted to let you know I received my bag and I love it so much. I love your story. So there's been a lot of like digital connecting, which I think people are just craving at this point. So like I have a bunch of customers in Texas and LA and New York and even like Israel and Australia who I talk to a lot actually. Um, and they message me all the time, like saying how much they love it and like what's coming next. My friend loves it, this, this, this. So that's been really helpful. And that's helped me like feel connected, but it is isolating and there's definitely like ups and downs and there'll be like slow sales weeks and that'll kind of, I'll kind of go down with that. Um, and wonder like what I'm doing wrong, but that's just how building a brand is like, so it's just, but that's every entrepreneur that it comes in waves. So it's been good. I mean, definitely a lot to be thankful for. So, but I think it's just like also with mental health at this point, like I have to turn it off, turn off work at a certain time. Like I work at home and I don't have a boss and a team that's going nine to five and then I sign off. It's not like that. So I have to like make a really conscious effort to stop looking at other brands at like five or six o'clock and stop saving stuff on the internet and responding to emails. Um, and once, when I make really conscious efforts to do that and like turn it off and make it work and not 24 seven, I notice that I'm doing a lot better too. Yeah. 
That's good to hear because I I know how how isolating um, it can be to kind of work on a project by yourself. But there's also a feeling of liberation. And when you do something, like you can really own it. And, and you know, talk to me about, one, how you've kind of grown your business, but also like what it means to see your handbags in Instagram photos of people that you've never met. Um, and how did you actually, you know, get onto the Instagrams of, you know, bachelorette, bachelor contestants? Well, that's been a crazy situation. It's actually still so wild to me when I realize that like people are spending their own money on my stuff and wearing it and like so excited about it also. Um, and like girls from all over the world at this point are like tagging me and stuff. And it's just super, super awesome and like crazy still. Um, but I think like with COVID, obviously I had to change my strategy because retail was a huge part of my strategy um like with trunk shows and getting into retail stores and that just went literally to zero um and even as things are opening up they don't want to take on new brands which I totally understand so that's been something that I'm kind of like still working but putting it on the back burner for now um because I've I mean first of all it's growing it on social media, I think it's the way to go at this point. Um, but back in like April and end of March, I was just like super aware that we were locked down and everybody was on their phone 24 seven. Um, I mean, everyone was on TikTok. Everyone was just like on their phone. And I listened to a few podcasts and they were like, if you're going to blast stuff on social media, like this is the time to do it. Everyone's on their phone. We've never had this type of like captivation before on the internet. Um, so I just sat down for a few days and direct messaged everybody that I thought was cool on Instagram. Like I just made sure they were like in line with the brand I was trying to create, but I messaged everybody and I was like, Hey, I have this handbag brand. I just started it. I would love to send you one if you want. Um, and I probably sent out like 500 messages, um, but Kaylin from The Bachelor answered me. And so that's how that happened. And she was like, I love them. I would love the black one. Um, and like just that one out of 500 was really all it took for that. And she was so nice. Like she still posts with it all the time. Nothing is sponsored at this point. Like I've never sponsored anything. She just like loves it that much and puts it in her YouTube, puts it on her TikToks. Like she wore it to her birthday dinner on TikTok. Um, so that's been really exciting and that's, I think, legitimized a lot of what I'm doing. Um, and then from there, I've just, from there, like I work with influencers that I follow. Um, and then when I, when they post, I'll have influencers start messaging me and I, I used to spend so much time focused on like the amount of followers. I want the biggest, the most followers. And I've noticed that that is not always the best way to go because they're promoting so many brands that your brand almost gets like lost in the shuffle. So you want, I mean, I've been using girls that have like 7,000 followers or 10,000 followers. And like, they're first of all, so excited to work with Bogal and like get a bag, which is fun. And like, I talk to them a lot. So, and they're so, and that the other thing that's so flattering is like, they're so excited when they realize that I'm like a 22, 23 year old girl that's just their age because they're used to working with like marketing teams and social media teams. And then they're like, oh my gosh, it's just you. And I'm like, yeah. So 
we make these like personal connections as well, which is really fun. Um, but I've mainly grown it through social media. And I think that the bags as well photograph so well, and they're just like, honestly, so pretty. My manufacturer does such a good job with them. And they're easily recognizable, I think too, because obviously shoulder bags are popular, but um, they do have like a little flair, I would say. And so people recognize that. I mean, they do really well on Pinterest as well. So I've been growing them there and I try TikTok. It's, <laughs> it's a game. I don't know. I'm still trying to get better at it, but um, the social media for sure. Email marketing is great. I've loved doing email marketing, especially because I have customers that are 18 to 27. And then I also have like 45 plus. So um email marketing for those older customers is really great. And then Facebook ads for them. I mean, I do a lot of just advertising, organic social media, and then publications in Denver as well have been really helpful just to legitimize and reach some of those other customers that might not be on Instagram. Um, but yeah, it's just really great to like be in charge of that and have it be my own brand. I've always wanted to have my own brand, but I didn't think it would be at 22 and 21. So, and it's not super glamorous right now, but I hope one day it will be. Um, but it's just really fun. And it's, I've learned more than I ever like learned in college, like in the past even four months, I would say. It's, it's kind of like the application of yeah. everything, you know, college is all theory. Right. And then you learn so much more from the practice of doing it. Yeah. Well, and it's just, there's so many logistics, especially with like international importing and international shipping to customers. So that's been something that I've been learning a lot about. And then just applying like customer service and marketing. Um, so, yeah. Did I answer your question? I kind of went on. Absolutely. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. I mean, I, I really like, you got to give yourself a pat on the back. I mean, you've been doing a lot, like a I lot. That's something that I struggle with as well Is like, and I know I struggle with it, but I'm not getting any better at it. It's like, I don't give myself the pat on the back for the wins. Like, I'm just like, okay, what's next? And I've noticed that that, like when I, for example, when I looked back on the year, cause my one year was February 5th. So when I looked back on that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I literally did so much. But then in the moment, I'm like, oh, I've done nothing. Like, what do I have to show for myself? And so it's like this constant balance of like working so hard, but also celebrating the wins. And my mentors are like, you have to do that. And I'm like, I literally can't. So <laughs> I have to get better at that. But that's been something that is on my 2021 resolution. <laughs> I think that, yeah, it's so important to kind of, you know, celebrate what you what you have done um and and take a moment even even just a minute to five minutes i know and i can't so is you know is, is it because you you feel like every moment at rest like you're not moving the brand forward and, and you feel like that's you know yeah, I think a problem so. like i'm putting so much pressure on myself to make it happen and like not give up on it um and it's at the end of the day, it's all on me. So I don't have like someone else put the blame on, not that I ever would, but um, yeah, it's just a lot of responsibility and I'm a very like hard worker and I'm, a, I always 
I always put out my best work and stuff. So I think I'm just a lot of, put a lot of pressure on myself, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's, there's, there's, it's all about balance, right? Yeah. Like, you know, um, and so I, I kind of wonder how this parallels with, you know, the fear of judgment um, <laughs> and, and, and like that risk taking, like, because you're, you're pushing yourself so much, um, and, and I wonder if there's this kind of feeling of like, oh, if I don't, ex you know, meet my own expectations, not only will I judge myself, but other people are going to judge me. Is there an element of that, you think? Yeah, I think over the years, I've become really good at not caring what people think. That's good. Not not caring, but not like letting it affect what I do do and I think that's been a lot of years of different experiences um like I was bullied a lot in high school so that was one thing and then with modeling like that was just so uncomfortable like not modeling wasn't uncomfortable but there were a lot of things where I was completely out of my comfort zone like I lived in Mexico City at 17 and everyone thought that was crazy and weird and then it ended up being the coolest thing and you know so it's just like why do I care what people are thinking about me because it doesn't affect them it doesn't affect like it only affects me so why would I let if someone's talking about what I'm doing and think it's weird like why would I let that affect what I actually do um and like for example when I started this business of course I was like everyone's gonna think this is so weird um like Laura's starting a handbag brand what and then I started it and of course there was like all this not judgment I mean maybe behind the scenes that I don't know about but like just hesitation and I mean everyone thought it was so cool that I was talking to of course they were supportive but like at this point now everyone is like that's so cool that you did that like that's so cool you took a risk and I think at first maybe people weren't necessarily thinking that so it's just like everyone's gonna have their own opinion it doesn't affect what you're doing and it doesn't affect you or like how you are actually behind closed doors. So like, why would you, I don't even know if I'm explaining this right way, but like, I think the reason I take so many risks is because I don't care if other people think that's weird. And I think that's always really paid off for me a lot. Um, and I like, I have so many friends or I hear so many stories of people being like, yeah, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what people will think about that. And I'm like, but why do you care? You know, so I think that's something that you just, it takes a lot of like confidence and self, I don't know, self-love, I guess, not to sound cheesy, but it's like, there's so many things I've done in my life that if looking back, like if I really cared what people thought, I wouldn't have done that. So I think moral of the story is just like, do what you want to do. It's your life. Life is too short and it's always going to pay off, so... And there's this, like, I think, sense of authenticity I, I hear when you're talking. Like, um, this brand you've mentioned, like, it was going to be true to you. You wanted to make sure that, that it held up to your, your own standards. So you get to be very proud when you, you know, talk to customers about it. And, and you know, they're excited about the product. And you say, yeah, because it's who I am. It's a reflection of me. And I think this way of myself. Um are you willing to kind of talk about that high school experience at all? Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe a little. 
Like yeah, and just like you know, as someone who who also was called three called things throughout their their yeah. life, I totally understand. Um, but maybe you know, I think that there's a positive to it, right? It's like, what did you learn? How did you grow from that very bad experience? Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely like the end of high school and it, I, in my opinion, and the people around me, it correlated a lot with my modeling because I mean, it did, I did get a lot of momentum going like junior, senior year of high school. And I think with women unfortunately and girls that becomes like a source of jealousy and insecurity and so that really played out my last couple years of high school and I mean I don't know how it was for you but like when I was in high school it was on Twitter and so then someone would tweet something about you and not only did that person say that but then 40 people would like it So then you'd be like, oh my gosh, all these people think that about me. And it was just things like that where it was so isolating and so just, I mean, I have a pit talking about it. It was horrible. And it was, I mean, it was just very isolating. It was very, um, it was a huge attack like on my character. Mm -hmm. And then you'd go to school and have to like face these people and almost pretend it didn't even happen. So it was just like the most confusing And then you didn't know who really had your back or not because they liked that tweet, but then they're talking to you at school. So it was just like, you know, and so I really isolated myself after that. I think, I mean, it it lasted for a while, but I really isolated myself at at the end of high school. I just like didn't go out and I really hunkered down and focused on modeling because I was like, this is what's making me happy. So I'm going to do that. Um, And then through that whole like tornado of shifting my life. I mean, that really changed who I am. But then I went to Mexico City um, at 17. So I graduated high school early, which was like the perfect scenario because what I worked so hard for during all the bullying, like got me out of it earlier. So it was just like this thing. Um, So I went to Mexico and it was like, I gained so much confidence through modeling because you, I mean, it's like so intense. You go to all these castings, even in Colorado and LA and stuff, and you're meeting with adults and they're just judging you completely on what you look like and your brand because you have like your portfolio and stuff. So it, there were so many rejections, but that's how it is for everybody. So then it's like, you have to separate that from like, they're saying no because of you to like, that's, they're looking for something specific and you just didn't fit that. So it's nothing personal. So I think that made me gain a lot of confidence of like separating that. Like, it's not about me. It's about like this brand that they're looking to fill in this thing they're trying to create. So, and then there'd be so many castings that I would get. And then that was the best feeling. So it was like, just going in every single day and like getting rejected and getting jobs. I think that was like the most growing time period for me because it was like taking rejection but then growing from it every single time and um it was just validation of like okay I got bullied or whatever but then I worked so hard at this and it like was my escape and I'm still using it now so it was just stuff like that and then I don't know you see some of those people start coming back and being like what you're doing is so cool and it's like thanks but (laughs) so I mean there's no bitter feelings but it is like 
I mean, I think for anyone to get bullied like that in high school, it's very traumatizing because that's like when you're, you're so like, you're so insecure and so vulnerable and so like just naive. And then it just happens. And I think with social media too, it was so amplified. Um, and there were things about like modeling, like accusations of like, um, eating disorders and stuff on the internet, you know, at like 16, 15. So it's like, at, from that, I just don't care what people think anymore. Cause like I grew past that with only myself and like investing in myself. And I think that's completely changed how I viewed life now. Um, and so I think that's like mainly what I've learned from it, I think. And, and one of the things that I think is really hard um, when you're in high school to realize that I've recognized more recently mm-hmm. is that when people attack your character, when people say mean things about you, it's never really about you. Yeah. It's about, you know, their own insecurities, their own fears, their own, you know, jealousy. And I think as we grow older and we mature a little bit, we can kind of like recognize it and separate that rejection from from personal to kind of whatever else it might be. Um, And I think that's a really powerful story of like overcoming that um, because there's a lot of people um, who after being bullied, right? They begin, they begin to internalize those thoughts and they begin to think about themselves that way. And I think that that becomes a really big problem as people get older because their thoughts are actually no longer their own. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. you know it's great great to see you as as an example of someone who's overcome that and you know didn't really let it um, you know override your personality. Yeah, I don't know like what because I know people like internalize that and I think I really don't think I have and so I don't know like what really I mean I've always been very like confident I guess and like self-aware but I mean that was a very trying time but I don't know what it was about myself or my experience that made me not really internalize that because there was a lot of people from from that so I don't know what that was I mean it was very traumatizing but I don't I really don't know what exactly it was that like made me okay at the end of it so besides just like pushing forward, investing in myself. And I mean, ever since Mexico City, I've really had a very, I think, unique life, like with traveling and stuff. But um, I don't know. I don't know what made me like not be emotionally scarred or like insecure from that experience. I'm not really sure. I know a lot of people do. Yeah, and I I can't answer that either. but but from the outside looking in you know it would appear that like because you had an outlet for that energy to kind of be released and you were focusing on yourself and like this is where self-love i think becomes so important because you know so many people start to listen to those outside voices and they lose that kind of security and and sense of self and that self-love but if you return to that you can kind of like it, it becomes isolating but in a different manner and you you like become one with yourself again um and you're able to kind of like pick and choose what feelings are actually yours and which aren't Um, yeah 
I feel like exercising was always one of my main outlets. Like when that was, when the bullying was at its peak, I went, I got really into boxing and that was really good. I mean, it was like the best workout of my life, but that was a great outlet. I've always been a huge runner. I think yoga has really helped me with like just staying sane. Um, but I mean, running is definitely my like meditation. So I think I've always been a very like, okay, I'm having a bad day. Like I got to go work out that type of thing. So I think that that's like, instead of turning to other stuff, I think that's like how I've always coped with it. And I just don't let it, I just don't internalize things that other people think about me. And I don't know, cause I, a lot of my friends have, you know and not to any fault of their own but they sometimes do that and they know they're doing it. They wish they couldn't do it but it's like, you just can't. It's all projection of their own stuff. And I mean, we even see it with celebrities like people oh, yeah. canceling or dragging somebody and like who then that celebrity like apologizes and makes a statement or even if there's nothing to apologize for like they keep living their life and doing amazing stuff and the people that are doing all the hate are like still doing all the hate like it's just you're either going to grow from it or you're not and like I don't know and and like it can either be a source of of strength or it can be a weakness and, and to me it seems like you know having been able to start your own brand um a lot of those skills, a lot of that, you know, building that thick skin and a lot in some ways is probably really, really helpful. Totally. Yeah. And I think it was like modeling too, like just castings and being compared with, and it, I mean, that's just how the industry is, isn't it? And it was the best learning experience, but you know, when retailers are like, we're not looking for any new brands right now. Like I don't ever take that personally. And that's just the way you have to look at it. So, yeah. So if you had any advice to anybody in your shoes, whether a recent grad or someone who wants to get into the fashion industry and, and start their own clothing line or handbag line, what would your initial advice be? I think just make sure you know everything you could know about the industry you're going to try to enter. Like, just make sure that you are able to talk about your competitors and that you're able to see like what other brands are doing. I know a lot of people like want to start a clothing brand and I'm like, okay, well, who else is doing it that you could like look at their social media or, you know, who's at the same price point and they don't know that. And I think that's like one of the most important things. Um, and then also just like have thick skin and really go for it. Make sure you who I was talking to somebody the other day about this and they were looking at starting a clothing brand and it was easier to go towards one customer but they were like their heart was set on another type of customer or something like that and I was like well you need to have your story and if you're it's easier to sell this customer but you don't relate to that customer and that's not your story or your brand or anything they're going to see through that so I think you need to have like an authentic relationship or like story that your customers can like love and latch onto and if you're just selling to somebody because you want to make money versus like creating a brand and a story and like a relationship with people I think you need to like do the latter and you know really put the time into that because especially in this day and age like with social media and so many different brands that you can reach out or that you can see online and stuff you need to differentiate yourself by that. And there's so much like desire for connection and transparency. And so 
if you can really do that and be authentic every single day to the people that you're selling to or just trying to connect with, then that's where you'll find success. Like instead of just waking up and trying to make money being something that you're not. Um, and I think just do it. Like there's so many people that have ideas and they tell me about it and I'm like, okay, so when are you going to do it? <laughs> and I know it's so much easier said than done, but right. I just wish some people would like, just do it. Come on. You're so close. And there's just always that fear holding them back. And I think it stems from so many different places, but the hardest thing I ever did was start it. And the rest has just been like keeping my head afloat. But I think the hardest thing I ever did was really just start it. So. Well, Laura, thank you so much for your time and, and yeah. advice and telling us about your story. Um, I know I certainly learned a lot about, about <laughs> you, about me, um, and also how to kind of approach um, growing on social and, and overcoming adversity. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah.